Hello. The winner is. Oh, well, sorry, I didn't win it, Mr. Lemley. I know no one else I'd rather have beat me than you. I am the most frantically sought person in Cinema Land. I, Oscar, the Academy Award. Hello, and welcome back to The Snub Club, the podcast where we talk about the movie that has the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I am your host, Danny Vincent, and with me always are my other two hosts that I never bothered to introduce because they can introduce themselves, so I don't believe in putting words in their mouth. Peace be with you. I'm Sister Sarah. (laughs) And I'm Sister Caleb. Would you like a St. Jude medallion? I don't know about you guys. You know what I'm feeling? What are you feeling? 22nd Academy Awards. 22nd Academy Awards. 22. (laughs) What won won the 22nd Academy Awards? Well, let's do a little countdown. When the most nominated film was called The Heiress. It had eight nominations. It won four of them. Best Actress for Olivia de Holland. Haviland. I don't don't know how to say her name. Sorry. Uh, Best Scoring of a Dramatic or Comedy Picture. Best Art Direction for a Black and White Film, and Best Costume Design for a Black and White Film. Then with seven nominations was All the King's Men, which won three of them. One Best Picture, one Best Actor for Broderick Crawford, and one Best Supporting Actress for Mercedes McCambridge. And then there was a movie with seven nominations and no wins. I don't know if Caleb's aware that's how many nominations this movie got. Uh, I'm curious if he is, because it is a... No. It's kind of crazy to me. This got seven nominations. And that's not, actually not against them. Okay. We're covering Comes to the Stable. And that's not even a knock on the movie. It just doesn't feel like there's enough technical stuff here to fill up those nominations. But Sarah, tell us what does fill up those seven nominations. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Come to the Stable was nominated for Best Actress for Loretta Young. Uh, who And she lost to Olivia de Havilland for The Heiress. Loretta Young also won for The Farmer's Daughter in 1947. Uh, Best Supporting Actress for Celeste Holm, who lost to Mercedes McCambridge for All the King's Men. And Celeste Holm won for The Gentleman's Agreement in 1948 and was also nominated for All About Eve. Also nominated for Best Supporting Actress was Elsa Lancaster, who of course lost to Mercedes McCambridge. Um, House of Lancaster was also nominated for Witness of the Prosecution. And fun fact, she's most known for her role as the Bride of Frankenstein. Um, yeah. Best Motion Picture Story for Claire. She's also, wait, wait, you forgot what else she's in. She's in Mary Poppins. Okay. Well, cool. I know her as the Bride <laughs> of Frankenstein. I do too, but I also know her from Mary Poppins. All right, sorry, go on. Best Motion Picture Story for Claire Booth Luce, who lost to Douglas Morrow in the Stratton Story. Uh, Best Original Song for Alfred Newman and Matt Gordon, who lost to Frank Glosser for Neptune's Daughter for a little song called uh, Baby It's Cold Outside. And Newman... So much discourse could have been stopped if this movie won. (laughs) Newman won uh, nine Academy Awards and was nominated 35 more times. Uh, Gordon won for Hello, Frisco, Hello, and was nominated seven more times. Best Art Direction, Black and White, for Lyle R. Wheeler, Joseph C. Wright, Thomas Little, and Paul S. Fox, and they lost to John Meehan, Harry Horner, 
and Emile Curie for the heiress. Wheeler won five times and was nominated 23 more times. Wright won two times and was nominated nine more times. Little won six and was nominated 14 more times. And Fox won three and was nominated nine more times. And finally, Best Cinematography Black and White for Joseph Lachelle, who lost to Paul C. Vogel for Battleground. And Joseph Lachelle won for Laura in 1944 and was nominated seven more times. All right. Wow. Yeah. Got a lot of nominations. Now, Caleb, do you like your historical, do your historical thingy context? I really couldn't find too much about it. I thought you were going to give us a full history on Catholicism in America. Uh, you know, <laughs> actually, in the 40s, Catholicism stayed pretty quiet in the 40s. Obviously, in the 60s, they shook things up with uh, Second Vatican or Vatican II. But um, I'm unaware of this. I like how you say obviously, as if I know the entire history of the Vatican. Vatican II is when they decided that the Jews aren't responsible for killing Jesus and a bunch of other things, but that's mainly the. Mm. big thing that they decide there anyway that didn't happen in the 40s nothing happened in the 40s the 40s were boring i can't wait to get to the 50s nothing happened in the 40s you said nothing at all nothing no, at all nothing happened <laughs> okay uh, no I'm wars gonna... no blacklists <laughs> yeah. uh all right well then i'll give up my little fun facts about the ceremony and then we will move on to talk about the movie uh the big thing is this is the final year that all the best picture nominees are black and white and this is the first year where every film nominated for Best Picture won multiple Oscars, aka more than one Oscar. So good, good for this year. Um, let's see if there's any cool winners. Fred Astaire got a special achievement award. No one asked Fred Astaire if he could dance. Uh, why he danced? Uh, my personal favorite win of the night: Best Foreign Language Film went to The Bicycle Thief. Phenomenal film. I'm glad it won so something. Even it's though, such a good movie. <laughs> it's such, yeah, it really is. I always think of, okay, quick film school story, which I, I'll say without saying any names. My go-to, and this is more for the listeners, because I'm sure you two have heard this story before from me. My go-to story about how uh, I thought a lot of people in film school don't understand films. And granted, this was my freshman year. We were watched Bicycle Thief, right? In 101. And our professor is like, the only modern real realism film I can think of, director I can think of, is Richard Linklater, because this is around the time Boyhood came out. And someone in our class raises their hand and goes, excuse me, but recently I saw Captain Phillips, and I felt like that was a pretty realistic film. Would that not also qualify? And our professor hadn't seen Captain Phillips, because our professor is not the type of person who would go out and see any type of thriller, because that's just wasn't her type of movie. So she was like, I don't know, maybe. Can anyone in the class who's seen Captain Phillips attest to being like a realism film like Bicycle Thief? And I immediately raise my hand and go, no, it's not. It is, it is ridiculous to claim it just because a film is based off a real story that it's realism. Is this the same guy who said that Doctor Strange was the best experimental film of all time? Oh, no, this is a different guy. I didn't know that guy okay. my freshman year. Uh, so, yeah. That's a different guy. Uh... <laughs> It's someone else who I can say after we record who it is. Uh, Sarah, I think, was in the class. So Sarah should remember who it is. But anyway, uh, come to the stable. A film that 
to me is I feel like pointing out that it feels so like non-existent as a movie to me that we I glanced over it when I first looked at this year. <laughs> I don't know. What did you guys think of it? Do you want me to go first or do you guys have thoughts? I'm trying to muster up a thought. <laughs> I really actually enjoyed the first hour of this. <laughs> like it's kind of goofy. But it kind of gave me that like weird nostalgia for the type of movies I'd watch with my dad growing up. Like, obviously, Sound of Music because nuns. But even then, like the just the dumb old school comedies that have a weird like religious bent to them. Um, and I enjoyed the first hour. It's just like these. I really was like, this movie should just be telling those wacky nuns. Like they just walk up to people, go like, "We're gonna do this thing." They're like, "No, you're not." Yeah, we are. Okay. And I don't know. It felt kind of just nice. But then, unfortunately, the last half hour focuses on this other character that's really completely uninteresting to me. Uh, and it has these two characters that do have, I think, a decent amount of chemistry to make them enjoyable to watch, at least for me. And in that regard, that's kind of felt like a disappointment. Uh, where the back half, the back half hour of it kind of ruined the whole thing for me. I just got so bored. All right, well, that was my thoughts on it. Now, can you guys muster thoughts? I completely disagree. I thought the nuns were so disrespectful, so rude, so entitled. I was 100% on board with this other character who, who wanted nothing to do with them. They were just so, like, just gimme, 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 these nuns. <laughs> <laughs> like, calm down. <laughs> you know, God did not tell you to do this. <laughs> you just got to chill. They just, it just, it reminded me, I'm not going to get too deeply into this. It reminded me of being, a religious a, argument. it reminded me of being a young girl <laughs> in church and the man in the baskets out. That's what it reminded me of. That's my take. <laughs> okay. I'm going to swing a completely different direction because I'll be honest. I don't like anyone in this movie. And, <laughs> and, um, but Recently, I watched uh, Black Narcissus, and so I did just kind of keep transposing the nuns from that movie onto this and being like, wow, these nuns are very underdeveloped. I wish this was like Black Narcissus, and I didn't even like that movie that much. <laughs> wow. That sounds like I'm going to defend this movie the most. I'm giving it two and a half I'll, stars. I'll defend certain parts of it. I just feel like... I'll- I'll defend the nuns, and you can defend the heathen. Uh, defend Bob. <laughs> I will well, say, not, I don't even dislike Bob. He just bores me. It's it's literally just that I'm like, this is boring when he's on screen. So I don't know if I should bring this up now. I'll say now. So this was based on a true story. It was based on a nun named Vera Deuce, or Sister Benedict, or Mother Benedict, actually. Um, we can talk about her at the end because her story is actually pretty interesting. So, of course, they didn't make it into a movie. Well, this was <laughs> post the movie. This was, oh. she lived until 2005. So, mm-hmm. they, it was stuff that happened in like the 80s, 90s. Oh, I thought you had more to say. Sorry. Well, I mean, I can talk about it now or I can talk about it later. No, no, we can, we can go. No, we can save it for later. I feel like it's uh, a I was good actually gonna say, Well, what I was going to say, I was going to, because Caleb, I wanted to jump to this when Caleb first said, and I was like, maybe we should actually introduce the movie. Uh, Caleb was like, nothing happened in the 1940s. And I know it was a joke, 
But I think this movie very interestingly takes place in a very obviously post-World War II society where they constantly refer to these events as it affected everyone and we all knew someone in the war. And it's interesting to see that to me because in a way to me it reminded me of I recently just watched 25th Hour which fantastic movie, phenomenal movie uh, where it was going to shoot before 9-11 happened and then as soon as 9-11 happened they integrated 9-11 not really into the story but into the background of the the world of it Uh, and as such that makes the entire movie feel like it's about 9-11 and this not as much especially because that back half hour becomes more about Oh, these, and I know sorry, you're on his side, but it's like, oh, these nuns are annoying me. But before then, it's very much about like this war affected everyone. Uh, and even that at the end comes back. This war affected everyone. And that's why we want to give these nuns the benefit of the doubt because we need hope in a post world society, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I just thought it was interesting how like everyone in this movie was like affected because I mean, it makes sense. It's just not something we usually think about, I feel like. I think that's fair, and especially both Crossfire and I think Sands of Iwo Jima show separate ways of tackling post-war, where Crossfire is very much getting into kind of the anxieties of it. Sands of Iwo Jima is trying to mythologize it. Here you do get maybe a little bit more about recovery and the bonds that can form from like mutual loss and stuff like that. I don't think that's prevalent enough though and i feel like oftentimes it's used as a means to an end plot wise i can see that i get it i get you i see where you're coming from what would you say if i said that they had plans for a sequel called a spark in the night where they were in japan in the aftermath of the atomic bombings (laughs) I would hope this is a sick joke. Mm. <laughs> it's not. The movie was never made, but they did announce oh it. <laughs> the nuns go to Japan? <laughs> yes. I, uh, great. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> great. Okay. You know what, though? That, it would be, I, you know, I don't think, hypothetically, if the movie was made, I don't think that they would handle it, you know, well at all. I don't either. I think it's interesting that they would have to have at least like some sympathetic characters, right? Like they would have to at least show the Japanese in like some of them in a good light, which would be an interesting, it would be an interesting post-war concept. If I may uh, shout out a YouTube channel I know I've shouted out before, Be Kind and Rewind, they made a video, uh, recently about um Miyoshi Umeki uh who was a Japanese actor in the 50s and kind of tackled how um Hollywood kind of had to had to rehabilitate the image of Japan after having so much racist propaganda because Japan went overnight from being our enemies to our allies so it would be interesting to see a movie like this fit into that context but uh <laughs> At what cost? Let's talk about a certain character that got nominated here. I'm pretty sure, I hope, none of us are going to pick as our win. The dumbest characters that get nominated. (laughs) Well, I I would say 
you know, I feel like nowadays it's I always say it's always a big deal when there's a double nomination. Like last year when Jesse Plemons and Cody Smith McPhee got in. Wow, that was pretty cool. And they were both good performances. Elsa Lancaster. <laughs> what are you doing here? She's definitely the Jesse Plemons of the of the two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I I agree, but I also want to say Jesse Plemons gives a mild better performance than she does. <laughs> At least Jesse Plemons has the. I just want like the, the moment where he's dancing with Kirsten Dunst. At least he has that. <laughs> well, well, Lancaster has the moment where the nuns keep forcing themselves onto her hospitality. Uh, every other scene. I mean, I'll be honest. If she's famous. <laughs> France for painting pictures of Bible stuff. Uh, she's the one asking for God's calling there. The movie was like, I thought it was going to be a setup where it was like she was painting these things, but she wasn't actually religious and she's going to meet these nuns and they were going to teach so her. Interesting. They were going to so. teach her about, you know, what she was actually doing. And then she would, you know, be converted. Like, that's what I thought it was going to be about. But no, she was just like this ditzy old lady. He's like, well, yeah, you, can <laughs> you can stay at my house. You can stay by the way, not only... All right. She can stay at my house, but I'm also going to kick you out just in time that you can accidentally pick, take out a $30,000 mortgage. <laughs> what are they know. teaching these nuns? I tell you. <laughs> Those crazy nuns. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it should have been titled. Those wacky nuns. That's crazy. I don't have a lot to talk about with this one. We could talk about Dooley Wilson, who's in this. Yeah, Sam from uh, Casablanca. Which I haven't seen, but I should. Sarah, do you know who Sam from Casablanca is? Do I know who he is? Yes. I I do, yes. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. (laughs) But I know who he is in here. He's Anthony. Yeah, Dooley Wilson was... uh, an actor and singer um, and played oftentimes in movies played roles that revolved around him performing as in Casablanca when he famously sings as time goes by kind of weird that he works for a musician in this movie and he never gets to sing. Um, But this was actually fairly close to end of the end of his career. He would die in the early fifties um, so this might have been one of his last movie roles. I know after this he switched to TV fairly uh, regularly. Yeah, I want to see. I've been meaning to watch this one for forever. Um, well, maybe not. Stormy Weather he was also in. And that's the movie with the Nicholas Brothers dance sequence that always goes viral. I don't know if we want to totally break it down, but do we want to break down like the sequence where he basically gets carjacked? <laughs> do we want- Oh, you can't say it like that and not explain it. <laughs> well, as was it Sarah or Caleb who said that uh, these nuns just take advantage of everyone's hospitality in this movie? <laughs> they offer to he offers to drive them to back to the stable or somewhere. I don't actually remember where. And they goes, "Oh, don't worry, you can sit back here and hold onto the stuff, and we'll drive your car." And we get. Honestly, probably the best shot of the movie, which is when he's in the back of the car, and we get like this wild zoom where they're driving down the road. Um, because you know, 
women can't drive. <laughs> That's what I learned from this movie. specifically. Oh, you're right. No, you're right. No. We don't see anyone else in the movie drive who's female. So. But you're right. It is the nuns. Those wacky nuns. <laughs> but just the very sight of nuns driving a Jeep is enough to make every single person in New York City have a hernia. Like, people are freaking out while they drive down. I like, think it's funny, though. Because <laughs> it's so ridiculous. It's, I, I legitimately was laughing at. Like, especially, like, when they, like, just go, like, oh, someone left a pamphlet on our window. Let's just throw it away. And the, the police officer's like, what? <laughs> he literally does the Tamal and... Uh, it is cool seeing St. Patrick's in this. I I think that's a very beautiful building. Um, I went to Mass there last time I was in New York. Um, and yeah, it's it was cool to see what it looked like back then, uh, as opposed to what it looks like now. With tourists, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm struggling to talk here, guys. I'm bringing up all the stuff I we like. We didn't talk. About- we didn't talk about like the other major character in the movie. We haven't talked about any of the nuns. <laughs> We've only talked about how rude they <laughs> just are. The nuns. <laughs> well, there's Sister Margaret. Oh, I want to see. The description for this movie is two nuns from France come over. They are so both I'm from ex- France. They are both from France. But Margaret is from Chicago. <laughs> France via Chicago. <laughs> yeah. And that one is named Sister Scholastica, which I think is just a great name for a character. That one, oh, by the way, the Chicago one is Sister Margaret. Uh, but Sister Scholastica, which is a great name. And then the movie, actually, we should talk about the opening shot of this movie, which I actually do really like. It's just the nuns, what, what looks like they're walking through the desert, and you come across a sign that says Bethlehem, and you see there's one star up in the sky, and they go, let's go to the stable. And then you walk in the stable, and it's just oh, the batty old woman with the people posing for the picture, and a child just hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> and they're like, "Can I have the wings?" It's a, I think it's a good opening. It, it got me. It was like funny, and they're like, and then they're like, "There's someone staring in your window." No, not really, is it? Oh no, nuns. <laughs> All right, so Sister Margaret's our main character. She's the one who um, has someone. She prays to God that, and this this is the podcast I'm mimicking the praying right now, uh, visual medium, you know. Uh, She prays to God that during the Blitz or whatever, the children's hospital where she's helping at doesn't go under because they can't evacuate all the children. And sure enough, the entire city gets leveled, but the children's hospital stays up. So she's like, I got to try to fulfill my promise to God and build a children's hospital in America. And I can't remember the exact line, but the way she put it was, I got to bring some of your glory home to my great country or something like that. It was very, it was a very weird wording. I remember it really stuck out to me. In fact, now I want to look at it. Let's, let's Google come to the stable transcript and see if there's anyone bothered to upload a transcript to the internet of this movie. The problem is, is that they do not have any funding. I don't know what the Order of St. Jude was up to not giving them any money, but they go to the bishop in this uh, area, and he's like... Very villain-coded. Yeah, it's like, we'll give you 50 bucks, but we can't really afford any more. And then 
through a mixture of appealing to people's good graces, connecting over the war, and forcing themselves onto people, they eventually have enough to start building their hospital. Unfortunately, their neighbor, this musician guy, doesn't like it. <laughs> that's what that's wrong where I'm like, this is dumb now. Just let him build the hospital. Absolutely not. You don't want the hospital? No. Yeah. I want them to pay taxes. <laughs> it's a children's hospital. It's not a church. Even though it has a stained glass window in the center of it that says Luigi Jr. <laughs> and the first thing we see them build is a shrine. Like <laughs> That's the priority here. But it's for the children. <laughs> Come to the stable. What a picture. I don't. I feel like Bob. I, it's interesting that you say that the bishop was villain coded because I didn't see that at all. Like as soon as they leave, he's like, "Those are some pretty cool nuns." Like he did not <laughs> seem like he was like gonna get in their way. And I feel like Bob, for like ninety percent of the movie, was like, "You nuns!" Like he was like totally into it. And then as, when he got back from his little excursion, that was when he, he wasn't was totally like, into it because they woke him up in the morning. That's true, but he still was like, "Call me anytime." Take my car. Oh, Danny, did you just see who the Monsignor is? No, that's not okay. what I'm I'm awing at, even though I do want to I already knew he was in this. Yeah. yeah um, okay. But I wanted I was doing that face I did because I realized why Sarah must sympathize so much with Bob. Why? Besides, of course, <laughs> because no, he's sorry. because he's a young white man. No, 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 no. <laughs> well beyond that. Young? No. Uh, and beyond the fact that he hates religion. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, it's because of his dog. Talking about Ars- the, dog oh, the dog's later. great. I was going to talk the about the dog's him later. great. <laughs> Ars and the dog. He was very. He was a very good boy. I did feel bad for him because he had to stay inside, but it was. For his he own. was really big for the house. Yeah, he definitely should have been an outdoor dog, especially with how big the no, yard was. No, outdoor dogs don't exist. Okay, he should have been outside more. He, he should have had a backyard to play in. How's that? He did, and then the nuns came, and they decided to heal children. The audacity! How dare they? The dog, the dog wants us in his home. Good dog. I think he was like a great date. I think. Oh no, no, he was he was definitely part Dalmatian. Bob <laughs> yeah, explained it to us. <laughs> it's cute. It was cute. He's I a, like the he's dog. He's a cute little dog. I like dogs. <laughs> Must love dogs. All right, um, so do you want to talk about the Monsignor since you actually brought him up? Well, you know, he's he's played by your boy. Um, keen boy. listeners of our podcast will remember the movie Alibi. Yeah, I forgot he was an alibi, actually. Somehow. Why do you think I was bringing him up? Because <laughs> he's in His Girl Friday as well. Oh, okay. Um, Which is one of he, my faves. He Go plays... On. What's the character's name? He has two names in Alibi. It's Danny McGann, but I don't know what his other character name is. I don't know. He's, but he's a kick. Yeah. He was the undercover cop who had the longest death scene and definitely left an impression. I think Danny gave his nomination to this guy. I did. You, it was worth it. <laughs> he's just in the background of this movie leering at everyone. He's really creepy. They should have given. They should have killed him and given him a five minute death scene. It would have been really dramatic. 
Imagine if Bob just killed the Monsignor and that was the end of the movie. I mean, he would be killing the wrong guy. What, you wanted to kill the nuns? I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What, do you, what, what else do we want to talk about? What, other, what, what do we want to talk about the nuns? Because we still have to talk Yeah, we haven't talked about... Well, I mean, there's not really too much to talk about because they're not really that different from one each place, other. One place tennis. Yeah, she was in the Olympics, which is like, okay. No, the key difference is, is that Loretta Young gets to have all the dramatic air quote scenes while Celeste Holm just stands during those scenes. She doesn't ever she just stands there next to her during them always. I mean the distinction between I guess is because I guess it was so they didn't split the vote, but the distinction the distinction between best actress and supporting actress is just non-existent. Really? I disagree. I think Loretta Young very clearly has the more of a like not a character arc, but like a drive to build this hospital. Whereas um, Scholastica really is just there to be like, oui, oui, I'm the French one. Oui. Oh, bonjour. Be my guest. It is profound that neither of these main characters have arcs. <laughs> they just know what they want. No, they're right. They're right. <laughs> like, they, they, they came to America and like, we're building a children's hospital. You have any problem with that? You hate children. Sorry, Sarah. You hate children. You hate religion. But you love dogs. I want. I just wanted. No, she loves arson. She wants arson. I just want to say, I don't. I am not religious myself. I have nothing against religion. I'm joking. joking. (laughs) What if? What if? Um. No, I. I agree. The the nuns in this are bad. And churches should pay taxes. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. I agree. I hate religion. (laughs) (laughs) Um. But what if instead of a children's hospital? They were building a veterinarian hospital, and literally every dog from every movie we watched made an appearance in the veterinarian <gasps> hospital. Well, that would be that, forget- that would be bizarre because that would be a weird selection of movies that they pulled from. Oh, oh, we get Asta back. We I'm get sure the, the big the dog dogs from, from Merrily We dead. Live. I think the dog from Love Affair is dead. I'm sure the I dog think they're from all Love dead by now. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think all these. <laughs> <dead>. <laughs> No more dead dogs. <laughs> I do want to say, I had a lot of thoughts during this about how also this is the first movie we saw that came out after my dad was born. Granted, came out six months after he was born, so I doubt his mom was taking him to the theater much to see this. But it was something I was like, huh, we really have come a long way that for my dad, this is what like heat in 1995 is. For me, <laughs> like Michael Manti. Yeah. <laughs> Come a long way. Um, You want to talk about the ending? What about it? They're, they all go to church. They all bow down to Luigi. The shrine the of Luigi. <laughs> and it ends. The nuns aren't going to make their mortgage payment. And so Bob is going to buy the land out from under them. Because he doesn't want anything on the land so he's just like i'm gonna buy it um, it's really weird too because the language he uses is essentially like exactly the language luigi uses like 40 minutes prior like it's like ah that's my retirement nest egg they use the exact same terms like of what they want out of it and they both 
changed their mind because of the same reason, because they had a connection to the hospital in France that the nuns came from. And once they realize this, they're all good. Um, it's an act of God. But it's one of those things where, if I'm going to give this movie anything, I think the ending is a little sophisticated just in the fact that a lot of it is silent and not really spelled out in dialogue. Yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> You're right. Listen, I have to say no- something nice about it. We want to make it an early one? We want to make it a quick episode? This, or do we have anything else? Want? Let me talk about what? this nun. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm ready for this. I'm ready to talk about the nun. Let me just... Okay. So she, this was pretty accurate. I mean, she went to Bethlehem. She went to go build this uh, place. She, well, so it, how do I explain it? It wasn't a hospital. It was an abbey. And she became like the head of the abbey. And in 1998, she was under an investigation with the Vatican. And because they did not, they did not like how she was running this community. So I looked into it a little bit and I found that it was because she was no longer following the teachings of, um, I believe the, the Benedictine teachings. And she instead was leading basically a cult. (laughs) Really? (laughs) It just was very cult. Like it was weird. There were like bizarre punishments going around. So she uh, she stepped down. What? Um. So yeah, that was uh, that's her life. Uh, unexpected wow. twist. Yeah. Did they watch this movie like in a cult? <laughs> they. I like how the external. Them. Can I just say the main external link on her Wikipedia page is to find a grave dot com. Interesting. <laughs> well, I'll get there someday. Just uh, may you know, it makes you think. Maybe she really was like this. Maybe in the movie, maybe her pushy nature was similar in real life, and it became cult-like. Maybe she showed them this movie to gaslight them into thinking they were working at a hospital. They have two CDs. Wait, hold on. This doesn't even sound like the. It's an Abbey. That's what I That's said. What? What? I said they didn't. No. They, it was an abbey. It wasn't a hospital. They lied to everyone here. What, what is Luigi going to say in heaven when he goes to heaven? And goes those nuns scammed me, but at least I'm in heaven, right? So what is he going to say? Well, maybe a hospital was more more friendly to the audience for the movie. It is way more friendly to the audience. <laughs> The other one is whatever. She doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so I don't have anything to say about her. She does have a Wikipedia page. It's Vera Dust. That's her name. That's what I'm, yeah, no, I'm talking about the other nun. Oh, Scholastica, which isn't her real name. Sister Mary Eileen Tree Warren. Pretty cool. Maybe. All right. Do we want to be done? (laughs) Do we want to? Do we want to? Sure. All right. So, Sarah, what was this nominated for? Oh, gosh. Okay. Seven nominations somehow. 
Again, I don't actually think it's that. I don't think it's that bad, but seven nominations. How? This feels like a four nomination movie at most. At most. Well, it was nominated for Best Actress for Loretta Young, Best Supporting Actress for Celeste Holm, Best Supporting Actress for Elsa Lancaster, Best Original or Best Motion Picture Story, Best Original Song for the song that we didn't talk about. Well, it's totally forgettable. And also, I thought you were going to talk about it because you liked that, those scenes. Well, I, I didn't talk about it, and now I, I, I won't talk about it. So, <laughs> uh, Best Art Direction, Black and White, and Best Cinematography, Black and White. I give this Best Supporting Actress, plus Tom, who does a French accent. She plays tennis. It's two impressive things in one movie. <laughs> Why not? Compared to any other option here, where I can be like, no way, nope, nope, to every one of them. Celeste Holm is a, sure, why not? So she gets it. <laughs> I mean, I guess I'll give it story, because it's not the script. Because the concept I can get behind. You know, nuns being a bit of a nuisance, a little bit wacky. Um, but the script was not good. But it was nominated for screenplay. It was nominated for story. So that's what I'll give it to. I like the song. So, like... Alright, you have to talk about it for a full minute. Filibuster, go. Okay, no, no, no. You didn't let me finish. <laughs> oh, I said okay. I like this song, but I think that tennis scene does sell Celeste home. Because <laughs> she's having to run around. That, that can't be easy to play tennis in a habit. Um, and she has, like, fun reactions. Um, if any of the humor works in this movie, it usually comes from her. Nice. Plus to home in the story. Well, what's Adam uh nomination? Yeah, so one scene we didn't talk about, although we alluded to, was the original owner of the land who that they uh build the hospital on, uh Luigi. He is um they have to talk him into it. And the thing that originally gets him to uh side with it is because his son died in the war. And it's a very nice, sweet scene about just two people connecting. It is very, like I said before, kind of means to an end from a plot perspective. But I feel like the actor, Thomas Gomez, sells it really well. So I'm going to give him Best Supporting Actor. Uh, if I may cut in, that's the whole reason I, we didn't talk about it. I didn't go to it because I was going to also talk about it here. I think he's very easily my choice to Thomas Gomez. Um, really just... I, it's one of those things where someone's in this movie for only five minutes and they give the most affecting performance because mm-hmm. it starts very broad, but then it actually becomes human. And I can't really say that about any other performance in this movie personally. So I'm with you on that. Sarah, do you, do you concur or do you have something else? You know I got someone else. Um, someone? Oh, no. What? Is, is it arson? No, I can't. No, he was good, but he wasn't like he didn't do it really any acting. He just kind of was there. Um, I'm gonna give it to Hugh Marlowe for, I guess, supporting actor. Although I think by this movie's standards, I could get away with best actor, but I'll say supporting. Did he do anything really groundbreaking? Maybe not, but I think that he at least had a storyline, and I thought that he did pretty well with it, and I thought he was good. All right. 
Well, if you listen to this podcast, you now know we think that Come to the Stable should have been double nominated in supporting actor as well. Well, maybe not as well. <laughs> we can remove the SLA caster nomination. All right. I don't know about you. That was the 22th Oscars. Uh, I already made that joke. So, good news, guys. Next week, we're going to watch... Next time, we're going to watch a movie that's acclaimed. Will we agree with the acclaim? We'll find out. But this is a movie I'd heard about before. Can I have a drum roll, please? It's... 23rd Academy Awards. Four nominations and no wins. John Huston's The Asphalt Jungle. Pretty well-known movie. It's on HBO Max if the people at home want to watch along. Um, yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I've never seen it. Have I review? No. Nope, but it's been one that's been on my radar. So, All right. Well, then we will be here next time with that. Uh, all right. I'm Danny Vincent. You can find my letterbox at BlankMits, where I have obvious reviews. You can also catch me on my other podcast, Wise with Ty and Dan, where we should be amping up. We're watching Taika Waititi movies now, but we should be covering Miss Marvel soon. But in bigger, more important news, by the time this episode is out, my new podcast will launch called Looking for the Ocean. Pixar Journey. It's a friend of, well, friend of mine, friend of the pod, well, friend of my other podcast, at least, because he's guested there. He hasn't guested here yet. Mark Young. (laughs) But anyway, we are going to watch every single thing Pixar has put out. That includes shorts. Like, we've already recorded three episodes now. Currently, we've recorded an episode on the first Pixar short. Pick an episode on the tech demos of Pixar before um, Luxor Jr. and an episode of the student films of the first three major Pixar directors. Um, and will that will be a weekly show? And you should check it out because if there's one thing you would know if you ever listened to my other Marvel podcast, uh, it's that on that show I want to talk more about Pixar than I want to talk about Marvel most of the time. So uh, yeah, everyone should check that out. And that's available everywhere you can find your podcasts, like this show is. I am Caleb. You can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. And from there, you can find my litany of other podcasts, Star Wars Therapy, All New 52, and Hot Trash Unlimited. The uh, Took me a minute. <laughs> um, we are going through live action uh, anime adaptations on Hot Trash Unlimited. So fun times. Uh, and I'm doing that with our editor, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at SGK29, E-S-S-G-E-K-Y-29. And you can find my letterbox, just my name, Sarah Knopf. You can find us, The Snub Club, on Facebook, The Snub Club, uh, Twitter, Snub Club Pod, and Instagram, Snub Club Podcast. Well, it was great having you guys here. It was great to come to the stable with you all. Are we your guests? No, it, I'm talking to the listeners. Oh, okay. they're here. Oh, my, right my apologies. Yeah, um, and the listeners are the uh, another the other eleven nuns that we are forcing upon Danny. Join us next time as we enter into the asphalt jungle. Bye. Bye.